Parashas Kayasara is primarily about the, the arrangements and the planning to find a wife for Yitzchak at the denouement of the story that the servant of Avram reaches Lavan of Besuel and Rivka and he describes his adventures and he says, will you give me Rivka to marry Yitzchak? So they answer, Vayan Lavan of Besuel, Vayomru, May Hashem Yatzadavar, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. Lo nuchal tov. We have nothing to say. We can't say bad, good. This is from Hashem. They reiterate that in the next pasuk. They say, "Here is Rivka. He ne Rivka lefanecha kach valech, who's he shall aven adonecha kasher dibar Hashem as Hashem as the Lord hath spoken." The Gemara, the Gemara in Moed Katan, says that it brings a principle. It says that Amar Rabbi Amar Amar Rav Mishum Rabbi Ruven ben Estrovili. Interesting name, it's Trovili, but Rav said of the name of Rabbi Reuven, also not the most common name for a Chacham in the Talmud, but Rav said of the name of Rabbi Reuven, the son of Itzrovili, The following principle has support from Torah, from Chumash, from Nevi'im, and from Ksuvim. We find this idea in all three sections of Tanakh. The principle is, that matches, matches are made in heaven. Hashem decides... Uh, Hashem decides which woman ends up with which man. What are the sources? Minat Torah from Chumash, Tachsev, Vayan Lavan of Esuel, Vayomaru, May Hashem Yatzad Devar. Lavan of Esuel said that this is uh, from Hashem. Now, one might object that Lavan of Esuel is hardly a an, an authoritative source for uh, for theology, for 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 learning uh, important yesodos of, of theology. But I saw brought in the name of the Rashbai, I didn't have a chance to check to look, keep forgetting to look it up, that the Lavan and Basul said a lot of things in their lives. The Torah doesn't record all of them. When the Torah records something they said, that the Torah means that this is this is true, this is important. So so we see from this, Mehashem Yatzah Davar, that Mehashem Ishalish, the matches are made in heaven. Minanavim, we have the same idea from Navi, Dhsiv, Dhsiv Avivimo I think this is referring to Shimshon. They disapproved of they disapproved of his marrying the Plishti woman. They said, you know, you should marry a Jewish woman. They didn't know that this actually proceeded from from Hashem. Meaning, they thought they they, they apparently thought this is Shimshon's own decision to uh, to do this. But really, it was really really this was from Hashem. the 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 context is, it says that in, in, in Perikid Dalad and Shoftim, it says. Shimshon went to Timnas. He saw an Isha, Mibinos Plishtim, one of the daughters of the Plishtim. He told his father, Isha Reisi Bisimnasa, I saw a woman, I'm infatuated with her, Vata Kuosalili Isha, marry her, I, I want to marry her. I mean, he didn't say infatuate, he just said, I want to marry her. So the father and mother told him, uh, Don't you have a, a good Jewish girl to marry him? Is there no one among the daughters of your people? whom you can marry, you have to go to the uncircumcised Plishtim. Shimshon, Shimshon is stubborn, he's obstinate, he tells his father, Osa Kachli, I want her, Kihi Yashra Ve'enai, she's the one I want. And then the Navi, the Navi, the Navi notes, V'avivimo lo yadu ki me'ashem hi, ki sa'anahu m'vakesh mi'plishtim, v'aseim plishtim moshlum b'Yisrael. They didn't know this was from Hashem, so the first point it makes is this is from Hashem, this was not uh, just a random occurrence. 
And also, it says that there was a reason for this. There, that that, that there, there, there was a there was a uh, hidden reason for this. He wanted an excuse to get involved with the plishtim to be able to have uh, a cause a casus belli, a cause of argument against them, to be able to harass them and injure them, which is what happened when he. Uh, when he uh, eventually, that's what happened. His wife, his marriage became a uh, became a, a basis for his depredations against the Plishtim. This is actually, incidentally, this is actually a, an interesting uh, point the Gemara is making here. The Gemara implies this is an example of the Gemara says this is an example of Hashem Ishalish. The pasuk says explicitly, "Kim Hashem He." Shimshon actually is punished for uh, for, for for his pursuit of Plishti women. It says that Shimshon was halachacharenav. He followed his eyes. His uh, he said that he saw her. He wanted her. He he, he followed plishti women. That's why his eyes were were were, were poked out later. Shimshon's chasing of plishti women now is ultimately his downfall with Delilah. Shimshon's chasing of plishti women was not all good, but there were problems with it. But nevertheless, the the navi does say ki that this was from Hashem. That at least at least this one at least this at least one aspect of this one was from Hashem, and it's another example of. Of Me'ashem Ishalish. Menaksuvim, Tachsev, Bayis Vahon, Nachlas Avos, Me'ashem Isha Maskalas. Menaksuvim, it says in Mishle that a house and a fortune is Nachlas Avos, a person inherits that from his ancestors, from his fathers. But Isha Maskalas, that's from Hashem. You need Hashem. Hashem decides uh, a good woman, a prudent woman, that is from Hashem. Incidentally, I just have to mention this. I always like, uh, I always like mentioning this about Shimshon. So Shimshon has this uh, very strange aspect to his career that he marries several Plishti women. So there's a passage in the Rambam. The Rambam writes, he, he discusses the terrible sin of intermarriage. And then he writes, in, in his Mishnah Torah, he writes how terrible it is to marry non-Jewish women. And then he writes, Al Don't think, he says, don't, don't even think about the possibility that Shimshon, who was Moshiach and Shal Yisrael, Shimshon, the savior of Israel, and Shlomo HaMelech, who was Yedid Hashem, who is described as the friend of Hashem, married non-Jewish women, ain't had That's not what happened. Meaning, Shimshon, the Navi just says he married Plishti women. Shlomo, it says he married all the, all the foreign princesses. So they seem to have married non-Jews. Rambam says, absolutely not, inconceivable. Shimshon was called Moshe and Shal Yisrael, the savior of Israel. Shlomo was called Yedid Hashem. It cannot be they married non-Jewish women. Rather, they converted them. They were still faulted for this, as we mentioned. They were still faulted for this because the Geras wasn't, uh, wasn't so sincere. It wasn't such a great Geras. But Chas Shalom, certainly not that they married non-Jewish women. So I once heard, a couple of decades ago, from Rameir Salvechik. He said, uh, he said, what's bothering the Rambam? The Rambam says, how can it be that Shimshon, Moshiach, and Shal Yisrael, and Shlomo, Yedid Hashem, married non-Jewish women? The Kasha from Shlomo, he says, I understand. Uh, Shlomo... Yedid Hashem, a friend of Hashem, someone who does a terrible Avera, wouldn't be called a friend of Hashem. So if Shlomo really did this terrible thing, intermarriage, how could he be called Yedid Hashem? But what's, what's wrong with Shimshon, Moshiach, and Shal Yisrael? Shimshon was a great hero. He was a flawed hero. We have those all the time. Shimshon, he could have been a hero. He could have been Moshiach and Shal Yisrael. At the same time, he, uh, he also did a terrible Avera. Why is that so inconceivable? So Romero Salvechik said, and this is just so classic Salvechik brisk, Romero Salvechik said, Apparently, you see from here, a person who does Averis, a person who's not religious, a person who eats uh, Nevela and Trefa, such a person, sounds better in Yiddish, but Der Mensch Kenishzain Moshiach Shal Yisrael. This person cannot be a savior of Klal Yisrael. 
The reference, of course, is to the, the heroes of uh, secular Zionism. But the, anyway, that's the Rambam, the Chas Vashalma, they married non-Jewish women, they converted them, it was, it was, it was still... It was still uh, problematic from the Torah's perspective, but it wasn't the, the terrible of error that the Tzirkim make it sound like. Okay, so we have three examples, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim, that Me'ashem, Ish, that women are women to men, matches are made in heaven. This is, this is the idea that is, it's a well-known idea in modern Jewish, particularly Ashkenazic, uh, Yiddish culture, of Basheret. Basheret is a mysterious word, we don't really know what it means exactly. It's, uh, it's of obscure origin. There are various uh, strange-sounding theories. But you know, the, everyone knows what basharat means. Basharat means in the, in, in the context of matches, of romantic matches, of uh, even more broadly, basharat is the idea that something is predestined, who you marry is predestined, that, uh, that there's some ideal person who's your soulmate. This is, again, a, 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 a well-known, popular idea in Yiddish culture, in Ashkenazic culture, even though no one knows what the word basheret actually means. But uh, there are Talmudic roots to it. As we've just seen, this Gemara says, the, 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 there's, there's, an, there's an English expression, matches are, a match made in heaven. In English, the expression means almost, almost the opposite of what it means in Hebrew. In English, it means that matches in generally are arbitrary, are people's own decisions, when you find a match that's unusually well suited, people are well suited to each other. You say, you say that, uh, you say, okay, that's a match made in heaven. I mean, it's not the norm. That, that that's the exception rather than the rule. The Gemara means just the opposite. The Gemara means Shalish. The Gemara seems to be saying that the it's always this way. That that that, 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 every, that every match is every match is made by Hashem. That's that's even clearer from from the earlier earlier portion of the Gemara. This Gemara itself, I guess you can read either way. Me'ashem Yishalish could mean it's always Me'ashem Yishalish, or sometimes Yishalish. But in this particular case, Lavan Basul was saying that the, we, Hashem, we saw the incredible Siyat HaDashmaya that the Ever Avram had. Okay, Me'ashem Yishalish. This one is, this one is Me'ashem Yatsad Dover. The Pesukim don't seem to indicate that every match is made in heaven. So it's possible to interpret Rav, Mishum Rabbi Ruven, Ben Estrovili to mean that certain, certain particular matches are made in heaven. But the Gemara earlier seems to say that every match is made in heaven. The, the earlier Gemara, earlier in Moikatan, the Gemara begins with the statement of Shmuel. It says, Mutter la'ares isha b'cholosh You're allowed to perform erisin and cholomoid. Erisin means kedushin, you know, giving the ring. It, today we do erisin and chuppah together. They used to do, do erisin and chuppah separately. Erisin uh, was the kedushin. At that point they are formally halakhically married, if, uh, if, if, if she needs a get, if she wants to marry somebody else, but they don't live together as husband and wife, that doesn't happen until Nesuin, the chuppah. Today, again, today we do it all together, but it, uh, but it used to be that uh, there would be Eresin, then a woman would get some time to prepare, up to a year, she would have time to prepare her trousseau and get ready to be married, and then Nesuin would be when they would actually start living together as husband and wife. So Shmuel said, Mutter laris isha b'chala shalmoed, you're allowed to do Eresin al because we're afraid that if you don't uh, carpe diem, if you don't seize the moment, maybe someone else will swoop in and get the woman first. You have to lock her in. You, you, you have the right to try to lock her in and marry her to you so nobody else can take her away. Incidentally, by the way, just uh, go, go a step further down that path. So, again, in, in halachic, in rabbinic terminology, erisin means kedushin, actual marriage, giving the ring. In modern Hebrew, even as used by Haredim, Erisin means engagement. I re- people sometimes get confused. I, re- I remember someone, people asked me, 
I, 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 sent, I, I sent someone an, 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 an invitation once, an announcement that a friend of mine was making with having a, a party for the Erusin of his daughter. Someone looked at me like, what? Would people do Erusin today? I, they, I thought we don't do, do the ring until we're ready to do chuppah. And no, no, today in modern Hebrew, they use, they, they use Erusin to mean engagement. Now, un, unlike in rabbinic Hebrew, where Erusin means the actual Kedushin, the, back then they used Erusin to mean, uh, today they use Erusin to mean engagement. Some posts can actually object to it. Some posts can actually say you shouldn't use a term like Erisin to refer to a woman who's not actually Mekudeshes. It's like spreading a rumor that she's Mekudeshes. Maybe she should need a get if you start saying she's Mu'uresses. You call them uh, Arus and Arusa. Maybe you need a get if you do that. Other posts can say everyone knows that l- words evolve and language has, uh, language has popular meanings which are different from their formal traditional rabbinic meaning. So everyone knows today that Erisin means... Uh, Erisin means, means engagement and not the Kedushin that it used to mean in the time of Chazal. I once had an, an argument with people. I was, uh, I was complaining about this. I said, why are we using, uh, why are we misusing the word? Why don't we use Erisin to mean Kedushin like, like it has always meant in, in, in rabbinic literature and, and use the word Shaduchin, which is the word used in the Gemara and the Postkim to mean engagement. So the, the thing is, mo- modern Israel doesn't have, you know, the, the people who design modern Hebrew didn't have the greatest respect for Tarash Valpeh, the rabbinic tradition. They, they liked the robust and red-blooded uh, biblical Jewry with all its uh, heroes and warriors and farmers. They, they, they weren't as interested in rabbinic Jewry with uh, the Gullus mentality and the Jews of the Talmud and Tarash Valpeh. So they, 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 at, least, at least that's my uh, understanding without having studied the issue in depth. So in general, modern Hebrew tends to, tends to pick words from Tanakh rather than words from the Mishnah and the Gemara. So Erisin is a word in Tanakh, and uh, so they used it, and there is no word Shaduchim in Tanakh, so they, they used Erisin for engagement. So I once got into an argument with people, I said, why are we misusing the word? We should, we should limit Erisin to mean Kedushin, and use Shaduchim to mean, uh, to mean uh, engagement. So people were turning up their nose at me, they were saying, Shaduchim, that, that smells of the shtetl, it sounds like there's a Shadchan with Fiddler on the Roof. Like, we, we don't like that word, we, we like words like Erisin. Yeah, but Erisin has a meaning, Erisin means Kedushin, it means that she's an Eishas Ish, and she needs a get. All right, language evolves. Uh, I understand that words uh, for, for the, uh, against the protests of uh, of us purists, of we purists who are going to go kicking and screaming that the words have to stay fixed in time. Word language evolves, and the truth is, even the Rishonim acknowledge that the words are used differently than they used to be used in the time of Chazal. The Rush has a tshuva about uh, they referred to a, an engaged couple as chasen and kala. The question is, does she need a get if they called her a kala? He says, no, because today we use the word kala as we do today for an engaged couple, not, for, uh, not, not only for a married couple. We, we call her a kala when she's engaged. It, it doesn't mean that, uh, even though the word kala in rabbinic Hebrew is usually used, generally used to mean someone who's already, uh, already married, okay, we sometimes, we sometimes use the word kala today to mean even earlier, and, 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 that, and that's what language does. I remember uh, shortly after I arrived at Yeshiva, at, at Yeshiva Gedola after high school, so we were sitting around, and people were talking about uh, a fellow who had gotten engaged. So I made some comment. I said, uh, I said who, who's his fiancé? So someone looked at me and uh, had pity on me and, 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 and tried to uh, help me out. He's like, we, we, we say Kala over here. We, we don't say fiancé. Yeah, but the point is Kala, I, I don't know if I knew this back then, but actually there's an advantage of saying fiancé. To call her a Kala is uh, a possible misuse of the, of the traditional term. All right, but it's, uh, again, it's... Uh, it's, uh, you're allowed to use it. Some postmen actually recommended that they don't use terms like Erisin and Chasen Kala for an engaged couple, but the minog obviously is that we do. Anyway, back to the, the Gemara. So the Gemara Moed Katsum says, 
Shmuel says you're allowed to do Eris in a even though normally we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't allow that. In, in principle, we should not allow that, but we do it because there's a danger, somebody else will snatch her away. You're allowed to do Eris in Kedushin, to lock her in, to prevent someone else from stealing her. So the Gemara says, really? Is Shmuel really concerned with someone else swooping in and uh, snatching away the one you have your heart set on? But Shmuel himself said, Amr Behudam Shmuel, Bechal Yom V'yom, daily, every single day, Baskal Yotzis Valmeres, a heavenly voice declares, Bas Ploni Leploni, Sada Ploni Leploni. The daughter of so and so is destined to be the wife of so and so, the field of so and so will belong to so and so. It's all preordained. So, not just in, in some cases, like Lavrin and Basul and Rivka. Apparently, it's a general rule. Shaduchim in general, matches in general are made in heaven. So, w- why bother? Well, what, what's the concern with the Kenmenu Acher? It's all preordained. So, what, what are you worried about about someone else coming and snatching her away? So, the Mara says, You're right. We don't mean somebody will uh, be more aggressive and be smoother and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a charmer and will snatch her away. We mean Barachamim with Tvila. We mean that even though God preordains matches, but via tfila people can upset the system. Via tfila Hashem is in control. Hashem decides what's going to happen. But through tfila Hashem can alter things. So that's what you want to do. You want to make sure that you lock her in with Erisin because, because tfila there's a possibility somebody else will, will, will be able to alter things by tfila. But in Ochinami, the Gemara seems to say that every matches are preordained. The Baskal says, Bas Ploni Leploni, and Sada Ploni Leploni as well. The, the, there's, a, there's a related Gemara. This is a Gemara in Moit Katan. There's a related Gemara in, in Sota, Dafe, the very beginning of Sota, Dafe is in Sota. The, the Gemara there says, Amrav Yehud Amarav. So in Moit Katan, it was, in Moit Katan, it was Amrav Yehud Amar Shmuel, and it said the Baskal says, Bas Ploni Leploni. In Sota, it says, Rav Yudah Marav says, in the name of Rav, Rav Yudah says in the name of Rav, not Shmuel, Arboim Yom Kod 40 days prior to the formation of an embryo, Baskal Yotis Vomeres, so also the Baskal, but not every day, but it says 40 days before the formation of the embryo, and it says, Bas Ploni Leploni, Bayis Ploni Leploni, Sada Ploni Leploni. The Gemara in Noid Katan mentioned Bas Ploni Leploni and Sada Ploni Leploni. This, this one adds Bayis Ploni Leploni as well. So, it's, so, so the Gemara says, again, it's preordained. And not only is it preordained, it's preordained very early on, 40 days before Yitzhira Savlad. The Baskal says Bas Ploni Leploni. The Gemara in Sota also has an issue with this. The, the Gemara in Noid Katan had brought this as a, as a contradiction to the idea that there's a concern that somebody else will snatch away your Bashert. The Gemara in Sota brings a, had earlier brought a statement that Ein a person zivug, the, 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 the zivug a person ends up with, the Shemayim a person ends up with his Lafi Masaf is according to what he does on this world, according to whether he's a Russia or a Tzaddik. So the, then the Gemara has the very famous Gemara heard often at Sheva Brachas, Kushin Lazavgan Kriyas Yamsuf. That it's uh, it's it's very difficult. It's uh, it's like Kriyas Yamsuf. It's the, the, the they have to be matched this way, and it's difficult as Kriyas Yamsuf. Then Mingmar says, "Really, you tell me it's Lafi Maisav? Are you telling me that, that it's based on what you do?" But it says that it's uh, it's preordained. It says it happens forty days before you tear yourself out. It says Bas Plain Plain. There are no Maisim yet. Then you didn't do anything yet. Not sure what the question is. When when one could one could uh, argue that Hakol Tzafi for Rishus Nesuna. It's true that you haven't done anything yet, but 
God knows what you will do. That's the famous paradox, the Rambam and other medieval Jewish thinkers spend so much time on if a person really has freedom of choice. How is it meaningful to say that God knows what he'll do? Okay, but it's, it's a difficult, it's a, it's a, it's a much-discussed philosophical question, but we do accept both, as Rambam says. We do believe that a cult safa, it is foreseen by God, but you still have free will. So one could argue, one, one could have answered the Gemara's question by saying, it is will be Misa, but God knows you're Misa, God knows what you will do, and therefore he, uh, he preordains it based on what you will do. The Gemara, for some reason, doesn't answer that. The Gemara feels that these two statements are intention, that if it's Lufi Maisov, how can it be 40 days before Yetiris have lied? So the Gemara says, Lokasha, there's a difference between Zivug Rishon and Zivug Sheni. Okay, that the, that, that there are different explanations for what Zivug Rishon and Zivug Sheni are, but, but the Gemara raises this question, and the Gemara says, you're right, that, it's, uh, that there are two different approaches. In certain cases, it is... In certain cases, the Baskal preordains this 40 days before Yetzirah Savlad. In other cases, it's Lufi Maisev. It depends on what a person actually does in his life. So we have these two Gemaras, the Gemara in Roy Katan and the Gemara in Sota, both of which say that, at least in some context, the, the matches are made in heaven, matches are preordained, matches are determined by God, by, by a Baskal saying, Bas Ploni Leploni, so-and-so will marry Ploni, and it uh, sounds like it's not up to you. It sounds like it's preordained by God. Rambam seems to disagree. Rambam, seem, Rambam, Rambam discusses the, the question of who a person marries. Rambam says it is not preordained. A person has absolute freedom in choosing who to marry. Rambam's comments appear in Shmona Prakim, his introduction to Perkei Avas. Rambam in the eighth parak, the eighth and final parak of Shmona Prakim, Rambam deals with the concept of free will. Free will is one of the Rambam's favorite ideas. He discusses it in detail in a number of places in his writings. Rambam considers free will to be one of the most fundamental and basic basic uh, pillars of, Jew- of Jewish theology, of any religious and moral theology, that a person has choice. The whole idea of Tzachar Vaonish is based on that. The whole idea of mitzvahs, that Hashem commands us to do the right thing, is based on that. The whole religious personality, the whole idea that Hashem puts us in the world and then instructs us and guides us and incentivizes us for to doing the right thing is all based on the idea of, of, of Bechira, that a person has free will, a person is not an automaton. Rambam develops this at length in the 8th paragraph of Shemona Prakim, and the Rambam says, okay, so he proves from Sukkim that a person has Bechira. What about, he says, what about Chazal tell us in Meseches Brachos, HaKol Bidei Shemayim Chutzmi Shemayim? Everything is in the hands of heaven. Everything is determined by is, is, is everything is controlled by, by heaven by God, except for Yerushalayim. So that sounds like I don't really have free will. He says no. He says that that's what Chazal mean as well. When Chazal says Ram explains Chazal mean anything that a person ha- anything that involves a person's actions, what to do, a choice of what to do. Person has absolute bechira. Nobody compels him. What to, nobody compels him. His choice is absolutely free. It's not bidei shemayim. A person's actions are bidei adam. It's up to you to decide what to do. What did Chazal mean when they said call bidei shemayim? They meant aspects of the natural world that are not people's bechiras not involved in them. Whether a person is born tall or short, whether it rains or whether it does not rain, whether there's damage to the air that they used to call plague and diseases, damaged air. We would say microbes. They used to call that damage in the air or not. All these things that happen in the world which are, which do not involve human action. Those are the things that are Bidei Shemayim. But, uh, but, but other than that, what, what a, per, what a person's actions, that's up to him. 
Of course, it's, it's ironic, of course, if the examples the Rambam gives are actually things that, at least today, somewhat are in a person's control, are in humanity's control. Even rain, you know, we don't completely control the climate, but we have you know, planes that can see the clouds. We can, we, we can manipulate the climate somewhat. You know, it's still a very primitive science, but we have uh, uh, the, the, the example of the Rambam, tall or short, that we're working on that, genetic engineering, altering genes, and uh, it's, 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 still, it's still, we're not very good at it yet, at least in, uh, in wholesale, large, uh, but we, you know, we can do this. We, we, they do it all the time for agriculture. They, they manipulate the, gene, the, the genomes of crops and animals to get more desirable traits. So we're actually working on all of this. But okay, in the Rambam's time, at least, these things were not bide adam, and uh, plagues, I mean, we're getting better at controlling plagues too, we have, we have, we have drugs, we have, uh, we, have uh, contamin- we have decontamination protocols, we have uh, antimicrobials, and so on. All right, we're getting better at controlling the, the vectors of plague transmission as well. But I'll call upon him, philosophically, this is the Rambam's idea, that when Chazal said, they meant aspects of the natural world which are beyond human action. When they said, I call Bideshamayim, they meant that the, everything which is, depends on human action, human action is entirely in his control, and the, that's up to you. Whatever, whatever, whatever involves human action, that, that's where Bechira is the, is the controlling principle, and a person has free will. So against that background, when the Ram introduces the, the, the doctrine of Akol Bideshamayim, that everything is Bideshamayim, says the Rambam does not include Zivuk, does not include who you marry. People make a mistake about this, he says. People think certain things are preordained. I mean, people, Basher, Basher is a mistake, the Rambam says. People think Zivuk Ploni, or having certain money, he says, is Bideshamayim. Bilti Yemes, not true, Rambam says. Consider, he says, consider who you marry, he says. Zosaisha, the woman who you marry, if you marry her using the proper religious forms, Biksuva Vikidushin, Vikshayrilo, she's a woman permitted for you to marry, and you marry her for the right reason, which is procreation, the Rambam says. Mitzvah, that's a mitzvah to do that. Hashem does not decree the performance of a mitzvah. If there's something wrong with marrying her, if there's an Avera involved, you're not allowed to marry her, that's an Avera. If there's, if, if there's an Esther, it's an Avera. Hashem doesn't decree that you should do an Avera, he says. Same thing with money, he says. If you, if, if you obtain the money illegally, you can't say that was uh, against halacha, against the Torah. You can't say that was preordained. Hashem doesn't decree Averis, he says. Absolutely not. So marriage and acquisition of money, he says, but we're focusing on marriage here. Again, the same Gemara says, I, I, I heard from Ramatasio Salomon, the Mashkiach of Gateshead and Lakewood. He used, to, he used to point out, people have the idea of basher. People sometimes use that as an excuse for fatalism. They say... I don't have to do anything. Uh, Hashem is preordaining it. Hashem will, Hashem will arrange things uh, as he sees fit. Says Ramatzasio Salomon, the same Gemara that says Bas Ploni Leploni also says Bayis Ploni Leploni and Sada Ploni Leploni. That's your Parnassa. Sada is the field that you make a living from and Bayis is where you live. Basically everything important in your life is Menashemayim. So yes, if you live your life with, uh, on this Madrega that everything is Menashemayim and Hashem takes care of you entirely, that applies to uh, Bashert as well, whatever that means, he says. But it's not unique to it's not unique to Shaduchim. Some people they, they they strive and struggle for everything in life, and when it comes to when it comes to dating, they, they somehow adopt a fatalistic attitude. So he says that that's not true. That there's nothing unique here about uh, Bas Ploni Ploni. Again, I heard this decades ago, but that's what I think he said. It's not really unique to Bas Ploni Ploni. The Gemara means Hashem takes care of you in general, but that doesn't mean we don't have to try. So the the Rambam says. Bashert is, he seems to say Bashert, the idea of Bashert is a mistake. 
It's built the MS, he says. Who you marry is a matter of mitzvah and avera, and therefore there is no gzera. It is not determined by God because a person has absolute free will. Okay. Ramba makes no mention here of these Gemaras, of the Gemaras of Baskol, of Bastoni Leploni, and 40 days before Yetzirah Sevlad. Rambam just tells you it's a mistake to say that there's such a thing as Bashert, because no, because who you marry is a question of Bahira, and therefore it is not controlled by God. God left it up to you. What about the Gemaras? What does Rambam do with the Gemaras? So the truth is, Rambam himself deals with this question elsewhere. But Rambam has a letter a letter to Rabbi Ovadia Gertzedek. This Rabbi Ovadia Gertzedek was a, a convert from, from Islam, apparently. He had been a Muslim. He, has several, he, had, he posed several questions to the Rambam. Some of the questions related to his previous status as a non-Jew. He had questions about, can a ger refer to his ancestors of Rabbi Yitzchak and Yaakov or not? Rambam has a famous tshuva on that topic. He says, you can. He has another tshuva where he had gotten into an argument with his Rebbe, his teacher, about whether Islam was a Vodazara. His Rebbe had insisted Islam was a Vodazara. He insisted it was not. And it sounds like he was, uh, he was kind of hurt and offended by the idea that, that his Rebbe was considering him to have been an idolater before he became a Jewish, even though he recognized the error of his previous ways. It sounds like he still felt uh, better not believing he had been guilty of a Vodazara when he was a Muslim. Okay, so he has a few, has, the Ram has a few tshuvas to Rabbi Avadi Gertzedek. And one of them is about this, this question of the, the, the proper theological understanding of, again, the, the tension between uh, predestination, between God preordaining things, and between absolute, uh, utter freedom of the will. Sha'alta ala So, apparently again, he had, uh, apparently again, he had gotten into an argument uh, with his Rebbe about this, the Rabbi Avadi Gertzedek apparently had, had, had maintained, like the Rambam, that, that the humans have free will, and what they do is not preordained by God. Rambam, in all his tshuvas, Rambam is very, very warm and flattering toward this Rabbi Avadia. He may actually have felt that he was just a wonderful person, or he may have, uh, was, he may have been trying to counteract the fact that he had been apparently uh, hurt and, uh, and suffered, uh, he, he, that people had hurt his feelings and made him feel bad about uh, different things. At the end of his tshuva, the, the Rambam strongly endorses his understanding of the theology here, and he tells him that uh, you're absolutely right, he says, the, uh, you, you understood this correctly, he says, v'chacham gadolat, uh, you are a great chacham, v'lev meven yesh lecha, and you have an understanding heart, she'ivanta advarim, that you understood the matter correctly, v'yadata derech ha'yishara, and, you, and you, you, you understand the correct approach to all this, so the Rambam was, was very, very warm and very encouraging toward this Rabbi Avadia. So he says that what you said, that everything is every, every, everything that a person does, all human action is not bigzera, is not preordained, is, that is absolutely the MS. This is Rambam's very, very consistent throughout all his writings. This is absolutely consistent. This is absolutely uh, true, he says, an important principle. MS Shane Badofi, Rambam is very, very consistent about this. And therefore, that's why a person gets tired. The whole idea of schar va'onish is built on this, he says. If a person does good, he's, re- he's rewarded. If he does bad, he's punished. And when we say, he says, yeah, that's what Chazal meant. Every, the entire sphere of human action, everything a person does, is b'chal yerashamayim. Anything you do, if it's the right thing to do, it's a mitzvah. If it's the wrong thing to do, it's an avera. So basically, when, it, when Chazal said, they meant all of human action. Again, as he said, except for things that... The, the, what we're talking about is as opposed to things which are not 
human action at all, like the weather and whether you're born tall or short. But anything which is within the sphere of human activity, that is chutzmiyar shemayim, that is not bide shemayim, that is not predestined by God. And, and so on and so forth. Everything that a person does can lead to either mitzvah or avera. And what Chazal said, they meant things like trees and animals and the stars and the, those things are Bideshamayim. He refers to his earlier discussion in Pirusha Mishnah, where he explained this in, in Shmona Prakim and in the Yad Chazaka as well. Says the Rambam, another important uh, methodological, theological lesson anyone who abandons doctrines that have, that have been established on firm foundations. And he goes chasing various midrashim, Haggadah min Haggadah, so midrash min midrashim, obedivri echem min Haggadah. He finds in a sefer, it says something, and he gets all shaken up, and he goes, oh, it says this, I have to believe this, he says. Anyone who just is, uh, is, will, is going to abandon well-demonstrated and well-established theological and philosophical principles just because he saw a, uh, an apparently contradictory statement in a midrash or in a, a work of one of the earlier authorities, he says that, uh, that, that such a person, he thinks, oh, it says in a sefer, it must be true, I have to abandon my previous convictions. Such a person is, is committing uh, religious theological suicide. He says, this is terrible, he says. A person shouldn't, uh, a person has to realize, and every, you can't just go every time you see a midrash and go saying, oh, I have to accept this, I have to reject everything I thought until now. Because a person has to have solid, uh, solid theological convictions established established, and, and just because you see an apparently contradictory measures, you say, I, maybe I don't understand that, I'll have to think about that, but you can't just abandon, uh, abandon these just because of what you saw in uh, what you saw in a sefer, as Ram will elaborate further soon. What about to his Rebbe? His Rebbe had apparently disagreed with him, Rebbe Avadi's Rebbe had said, Chazal say, Bash Ploni Ploni, Chazal say that such a thing is Bashert. So, what do I do with that? Uh, I just told you that every, anything a person does, including who to marry, is up to him, it's, it's a matter of Bechira. So what did Chazal mean when they said when they said Bas Ploni Leploni? Says the Rambam, it's absolutely not the universal rule. It's absolutely not, we cannot take this at face value. It's a Paschim Chumash, the Rambam says, not like that. The Paschim Chumash says that when a person marries, he gets to take off from the war. He doesn't have to go to war. Why? Because lest he die in battle and someone else will, will, will end up with his wife. Or if he has a vineyard, if he, if he planted a vineyard, Someone else will enjoy his vineyard. So, what do you mean? It's all, it's all preordained. Who marries whom is all preordained. Who marries, uh, who gets which tzadah is all preordained. So he says, it's a pasuk in Chumash, he says. How can you possibly have any further doubt that things are not preordained, that God does not preordain everything, if these are psukim in Chumash, he says. Rather, the Rambam says, clearly, Chazal, who said, bas ploni leploni, should not be taken at face value. He says, and again, he reiterates, before he even gets to how we deal with this particular statement of Chazal, he, he, makes, he, makes the, he makes the methodological point, he elaborates on what he said before. Anyone who is, understands and, and wants to understand the Derech HaEmes, he has to understand the things that are clear in the Torah, Pen it's not preordained, that is the Iker, that is the Yisod. He can't abandon that because of what he finds in, uh, in, in some Midrash, in some Gemara somewhere. When you find something contradictory in one of the Nevi'im, in one of, in somewhere in Chazal, he says, it seems to be cholik on this, you have to be Mayan, you have to study it, you have to consider it, he says. You try to reconcile them. If you find a good reconciliation, you're able to reconcile what you saw in the Navi or the Midrash with the Yisodos and the Chumash and the Psukim and the Torah, good, Harem Matov. And if not, if you're unable to reconcile them, 
then you say what it says in the Navi here, what the Chacham said here, I don't know what it means, I can't take it at face value, that's the approach. You can't just say, this is a Midrash, it must be true. You say, I know the truth, it's clear in the Chumash. If Chazal said otherwise, it's a difficult Chazal, it must not mean Kipshuto, and uh, I follow what it says in the Chumash. Obviously, this is a dangerous approach. Obviously, it's not quite so simple, because frequently Chazal tell us that the Chumash doesn't mean what it says it means. The, the Torah says, ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye. Chazal tells us it doesn't mean an eye for an eye. It means that you pay financial compensation. Anyone who's going to say, the Chumash says, ayin tachas ayin, and if Chazal said otherwise, I don't know what they mean, it's a shver Chazal, it doesn't work like that. That, that we accept the Chazal can tell us that the Torah doesn't always mean exactly what it says. So obviously, it's not such a simple matter of simply uh, privileging Chumash over Torah Shabal Peh. You, if, you, if, you, if you take that too far, you end up as a Karite, to only believe things that it says in Chumash and reject all of Torah Shabal Peh. So obviously, it's, uh, it's somewhat more complicated, but the, the, the broader point the Rambam is making is, is that you can't just go around chasing Midrashim. Midrashim say all kinds of things. We have to accept clearly established Yisodos that, that were taught as core ideas of, of Torah, of Jewish philosophy, of Jewish theology. When you find a problematic Chazal, that shouldn't be ground for rejecting everything that you have previously established as true. It means you have to further investigate and try to understand what, what Chazal are telling you, but you can't just take it at face value. So what do we do with this particular Chazal? How do we understand this particular statement in Chazal about Bas Ploni Leploni? Says the Rambam, earlier he already hinted at this, he says, is it really a Gzair Bakol? Is it really something universal? It's not something universal, he says. It's, uh, Eina Davra Zeshavah This is not a universal principle. It's a matter of schar and Onish. Schar or Peronis, he says, if a person does a mitzvah, and a mitzvah for which he's deserving of being rewarded by a Ziva Gyafah, by a desirable, by an appropriate match, Hashem arranges that. If a, person is, if a person is worthy of punishment, Hashem arranges that as well. Hashem arranges that he gets a match, which will be a punishment for him. He brings a midrash. If there's a mamzer, they deserve each other, and Hashem causes them to meet each other and get married. This is not a universal rule. Only for those who merit this, who have schus, or have chova, merit this. I don't really understand what the Rambam is saying. He, I, I don't know how he's resolving the question. He seems to be making two points here. One of them is that it's not universal. The question was, if it's universal, it contradicts Bechira. If it's not universal, then it doesn't contradict Bechira. I'm not sure why not. I mean, even if it's not universal, does it really contradict free will for those people who it does apply to, for the tzaddikim who deserve it? Rambam means they lost their Bechira, like Paro lost his Bechira at Mitzrayim, according to some Rishonim, like the Rambam himself. Is that really what the Rambam means, that it's not universal, but for those people who, who it applies to, they actually lose their Bechira? Or perhaps the Rambam means, even though he mentions not being universal, that's not really his point. His point is that Hashem provides you the opportunity. Hashem gives you the schos, the reward of an appropriate Shidduch. But he doesn't... Uh, it's up to you to take it. It's up to you. The schos, the, the schar is, Hashem gives you the chance the opportunity to marry someone who will be a zivug hagun meshubach, yafel meshubach, but it's up to you to marry her. Maybe that's what the Rambam means. Not exactly clear what he means in this tshuva. Again, he, he seems to reiterate a couple of times that, 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 that it's universal versus not universal, which again, I don't know if that's really his territory or not. I'm not sure exactly what he means. The truth is, there, are, there were achronim who didn't see the tshuva, apparently. There were, there were some of the achronim who saw the Shemona Prakim, where he simply dismissed the idea of Ashert as a tos. 
And they asked him the Rambam. They, they asked the same question he himself raised in the Tshuva. What do you mean by Sharet is a mistake? What happened to 40 days cutting the of Lad? It says Bas Ploni Ploni. So how does the Rambam deal with that? So this question was raised, in addition to by the Rambam himself, it was raised by Rabbi Avram Halevi Horowitz. Rabbi Avram Halevi Horowitz was the father of Rabbi Shai Halevi Horowitz. Rabbi Shai Halevi Horowitz was the author of the Shla, the Shnei Lucha Sabris. So the Shla's father, Rabbi Avram Halevi Horowitz, wrote a commentary to Shmona Prakim called Chesed Lavram. It's printed on the bottom of the Vilna Shas. He asked this question, and he says, according to the Rambam, is that the, the, he, he formulates it as follows. He says, it is Xera, there is such a thing as Bashert, but you have a choice also. How are those two things consistent? You can choose if you want to do the mitzvah of proper, correct marriage or not. That's your choice. You can violate marriage, marry someone or not get married at all. You can do that. But uh, if, you get, if you choose to do the right thing and follow Hashem's will, then you don't have a choice. Hashem will say, this is the woman you're marrying. If you choose not to marry her, then you won't marry her. If you do not marry, you'll marry somebody else. So you have a choice, but your choices are limited. You can't just marry any of a hundred uh, fine eligible women. Your choices are marry someone muteris, where there's a mitzvah involved, or don't marry or marry someone who's an Avera. If, if it's a mitzvah, the Chesed Lavram says, then you will only wind up marrying Bas Plani. So he preserves, he preserves Bashar. Rambam just means your choice of whether to marry at all, Ophen Hetzer, that's your choice. But who to marry is not your choice. That is his ingenious way to read the Rambam. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, in his note to Shemana Prakim, uh, he also objects to the Rambam. He says, how can the Rambam say that there's no Bashar, that it's up to you, it's a mitzvah, it's up to you? Says Rabbi Yaakov Emden, Einze Klum, that the Rambam's rejection of Bashar is wrong. He says, Hashem, he says that, uh, that the Hashem's Gzeira is that if you want to do the mitzvah and you try to fulfill the mitzvah, then Hashem will give you an appropriate woman. And that's what they mean by Mem Yom Kodim Avlad. Th- th- that's, that's what uh, that, 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 that's what Chazal meant, he said. That, again, he sounds like he's saying something very similar to the Rambam himself in his tshuva, that Hashem provides you the opportunity as uh, that if you do your part and you, and, you, and, you, and you look for an appropriate woman, Hashem will provide you an opportunity. But he says, there's no gzerim mochletes. Hashem is not decreeing you have to marry her. There's no bitl of your free will. There's no bitl or shiniratzun. It's like promises of the Torah that, that if you, that if, you if you do if you do the mitzvahs and you study Torah, Hashem will give you rain. If you do the Torah, Hashem will give you reward. And if not, Hashem will punish you. So the gzerim hinges on a person's will. So similar to the Chesed Lavram, he says the Gzeira hinges, you have to first decide what you want to do, and after that there's a Gzeira. So I'm not sure if he means exactly like the Chesed Lavram, that, that if you decide you want to get married, then Hashem will determine who you marry, or he means more like the Rambam in the Tshuva seems to be saying, that, that if you decide to get married, that, that if you have sufficient Zhuyos, whether Zhuyos in general, as the Rambam says, or, or, or if you try simply to do the mitzvah of getting married, then Hashem will provide someone to you, so that, that, that the, he, he, might, he might mean that, uh, he might just mean that, that Hashem will reward you by giving you the opportunity. Hashem is not forcing you to marry her. He, he compares it to the rain. The rain, again, Hashem just decrees his rain. You have no say in the matter. Once you do the mitzvahs, then that's not a question of Bechira. The rain just comes. Like the Ram says, rain is, rain is a Kobe Deh I'm not exactly sure what Yaakov Amdin means either. It sounds like he's saying some, some combination, something similar to either the Chesed Lavram or the Ram himself, that you get to choose whether you want to marry or not. But after that, there is an element of Asherit. After that, Hashem will provide you with someone. So both Rav Yaakov Emdin and the Chesed Lavram 
say that there is such a thing as Basharach and it does not contradict Bechira in their various ways, either that either that once you decide to marry, Hashem will, through, will, will ensure that you marry your Basher, or according to Rabbi Yaakov Emdin, that Hashem will provide you the opportunity as a form of schar if you, uh, if, you, if, you, if you determine to do the mitzvah of marrying according to, uh, according to the way Hashem wants. Or as the Ram himself says in the tshuva, he, again, it's not clear exactly what he means, but he says that, he says that, the, that, that the Ram says that, that it's, it's not, first of all, it's not a universal rule, and second, he says that it's a form of schar and onish, that if a person is deserving, he does mitzvahs, and he's worthy of schar, Hashem will provide him an appropriate match. If not, Hashem will pressure. If not, then Hashem will, uh, then Hashem will or, or, or conversely, if a person is deserving of punishment, Hashem will provide him a match that will uh, cause him suffering. So the bottom line is, while the exact sense of the Rambam and the Chesed Lavram and, and Rabbi Yaakov Emdin are all not entirely clear, the Chesed Lavram is probably the clearest of the three, but while there's also a Tshuva in the Tashbats who, who, who explains the, who deals with this question as well, the Tashbats says that the Tashbats proposes in the Ram that it is a universal rule. I'm not sure if we have the same text of the Tshuva we have. Our text of the Tshuva says explicitly that it's not a universal rule of Bas Ploni Ploni. Although, the, again, I, I, I feel like I'm missing something in all these different things since, uh, since, since I have trouble understanding all of them. I'll call upon them so the, the exact details are a little hard to understand. There are other theories as well, but, the, but, but we certainly do accept the Rambam that whatever Bashar means, a person has free will to marry, to, marry, to marry or not to marry, to do the mitzvah or not to do the mitzvah. There's also, according to many Mepharshim, including the Rambam himself in the Tshuva, there's also such a thing as Bashar. There are these two Gemaras that Bas, Hashem says, Bas Ploni Leploni. The Bastel says, Bas Ploni Leploni. Me'ashem Yishalish. As Lavan and Basul said, there is such a thing as Me'ashem Yishalish. And even if Me'ashem Yishalish refers to specific cases of marriage, there is also this idea that, in general, this Bas Ploni Leploni, whether it's actually universal or just certain people of Scharvonish. So Bashar uh, is actually genuinely a Jewish notion, although what it means and exactly how it's compatible with Bechira, we have to say it's compatible with Bechira, as the Rambam says, because Bechira is such a fundamental and basic notion, we certainly can't set it aside in favor of uh, these various Midrashim, but, uh, but, but there are various ways that we can reconcile it, and that's why the idea of Bashert in, 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 in these various ways, not all of which are so clear, the idea of Bashert is compatible with the notion of free will, and uh, we believe they're both true, although again, Bechira, in the Rambam's worldview, is more fundamental, is more critical to believe in, Bashert is a Midrash, which can also be reconciled with the, the fundamental, absolutely critical notion of absolute free will in the scope of human activity.